Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Brain Fart Podcast. This is the beginning of a new series and a new format that I talked about in my last episode, but if you weren't here for that, I'm basically going to start incorporating interviews and interviews with people in my life and hopefully branching out of that with people I've met online and I don't know, a bunch of different people, but I want a new interview series with different kinds different kinds of people facing different kinds of things. So that's what we're starting with today. And today I have a very special guest. Um, it is Ola. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Ola, Ola is um, my partner, Martin's older sister. And we actually, we met like three years ago when... Probably. Almost three years ago. It's basically when me and Martin started dating. Yeah, yeah. So we met then, and we actually just moved in together. Yeah. <laughs> so we're roommates now, yeah. which has been a very, very nice experience. It's been very fun. For me, especially, I have been feeling the loneliness that sets in, because Martin will go to work, and I work from home, mm-hmm. and I definitely felt like I would feel lonely, but I wouldn't quite know what it was. I would just feel feel a certain way and be like, why do I feel so bad all the time? And then I realized I was probably just lonely. But since being here, it's been very nice to have yeah. someone to talk to and to be around. Yeah. Because i am uh, been unemployed since the pandemic. So, and I'm like, we're, you know, working on various things online, but like mostly unemployed. <laughs> Main status, unemployed. So I'm just always hanging out with Maddie pretty much yeah. throughout the day, trying not to distract her while she's doing work. <laughs> no, I actually think it's really good. And I've been telling my mom this, <laughs> telling my mom this, of course, but uh, <laughs> we've been talking about, I don't know, I was just talking to her about like needing to slow down and take breaks and like not just constantly push forward. And I feel like observing you and watching you, you're a very like calm person. Oh. Like you take your time and you really like put you like pay attention to things. Like even just watching you eat breakfast, it is like a moment for you and it is time for you. And watching that like reminds me, okay, I can take time for me. Like I can mm. have a moment for me. It doesn't need to be going full force all of the time. And so I actually think that's been very helpful for me to see that and be like, okay, I can take a breath. And we can <laughs> chat a little bit and I don't need to be glued to my screen. Like I can be a human. So yeah, uh, that has been very, very nice. Well, that's, I'm glad. <laughs> well, that's a, that was, that was just fun little, little talks, but I actually have Ola here for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Not just because it was convenient. <laughs> um, I brought Ola on to talk about neurodivergence and... Why? Why did I? Why did I do that? I'll uh, let you explain it. Oh <laughs> uh, well, because I have ADHD. Um, I was diagnosed. Well, diagnosed. I kind of like had a suspicion that I had ADHD since uh, maybe in college, when I was in college, and then um, it would kind of blip on and off. I'm like, oh, do I have ADHD? Just like with the way that I would struggle with with completing work and like the way that I had to complete work to actually get it done in a, in a good way. Um, in a, like a well done a plus kind of way. Mm. Um, and then I would like take these tests online that I would say, you know, answer these questions. Do you have ADHD? And I'd be like, 
No, I don't think any of these. I think those are like the, the, there's like these criteria in the DSM five that mm. um, like you have to answer like yes to most of them. Yeah. I actually one of my symptoms of my ADHD is that I can't remember shit. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure anybody could relate, but like, fuck. Yes. Um, <laughs> I too relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, so uh, in those criteria, you have to answer yes to like an X amount of them. And then congratulations, you have ADHD. Um, and I never answered like, those questions never seemed applicable to me mm. until I started working a desk job, an office job after, um, after I graduated from college and I was just broken, just really not functioning well in that kind of environment for various reasons. And, um, I'm like, and then like I had a really bad day when I was really low and like, in the mood to be really hard on myself, mm. I took the test again. And being in that sort of bad mood, like, allowed me to be, like, more hard on myself and yeah. actually answer, yes, actually, I think that does apply to me right now. Interesting. Yeah, because part of the... Um, uh, part of the experience for me is a little bit, like, when I'm down, I'm really, really down, but then... After it's gone, it's like nothing happened. It's like I'm completely back to normal. Wow. And I I think that's like part, that's probably like a coping mechanism in some way. <laughs> like a little bit of forget, like forgive and forget without the forgive and just the forget part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just me. Um, so, yeah. So at that point, um, I was like, okay, I need to find a therapist to actually like see. see yeah. and And like... It felt weird because it felt like I was trying to convince her that I had ADHD and then her also just being like, and then at the end, eventually, um, she asked me to write an essay because I was an English major. Mm. Um, she asked me to write an essay where I defend like whether I have ADHD based on all of those points in the DSM-5. Yeah. And, um... Being the English major that I am, <laughs> I was able to like, this is the thing though. And I want to say this for like anybody else who maybe has ADHD or is wondering if they have ADHD is that like the, the criteria in the DSM-5 aren't amazingly well written. <laughs> They're not very well written. And um, the way they describe ADHD is like a very specific kind. And it's all well, the thing about ADHD is like, especially with the focus thing is what most people yeah. think of when they think of ADHD yeah, is like the focus is very selective. It's like, if it's something that you care about, Oh my God, <laughs> you will be able to focus for years about that thing. But then it, as soon as it's something that you don't care about, even, no matter how important it is, and how important it is that you finish this task, it doesn't matter. You can't focus on it. And the DSM-5 doesn't take into account, like, the hyperfixation is what that first one oh, okay. is called when it's ADHD. Um, just doesn't take it into account. It's really weird. Um, so I had to, like, um, argue around that yeah. in a way that it's like, well, yes and no. And then it pretty much, like, I mean... 
I had already convinced my therapist like before that point that <laughs> yeah. I had ADHD, but she was like, yeah, I mean, the part of the criteria is also um, that you've had this since a very young age, that it's not just something that came up out of nowhere because I'm, I'm 28 now. And so I was in like my late 20s when I was talking to my therapist about these things. Um, and... Yeah, so I had to prove that I had ADHD yeah. even as a little kid, which is difficult because one of my uh, hyperfixations in a way was school. Hmm. I really liked school and I like especially I think like when it started to break down was like uh pre-calculus in high school. You know, oh. like that's when I started being like I don't think I like this anymore. Yeah. It kind of felt like I had, at the time, it felt like I had reached the limit of my intelligence, which was, like, really Ooh, rough. Yeah. You know? It was <laughs> kind of, like, really because I was, like, an A-plus student through my entire life, pretty much. Yeah. And just, like, really good at pretty much, like, even enjoying math. Mm -hmm. um, but then just, like, coming to this wall while I'm, like, oh, wait, I guess this is as far as my intelligence goes. Yeah. And then having that thought again in college when I took... Um, like my 400 level capstone for my English major. Yeah. And I, we did not have a great teacher. She was looking back. She was a bad teacher. Mm. Fascinating woman, incredible ideas. And the concepts for the class was really cool, but like not a good teacher. Yes. <laughs> and like, so me breaking down and also like she was really just assuming that crunch culture was okay and was a thing. And oh, it's just, yeah. which yeah. now looking back, like, I literally had ADHD. That You're is like, the antithesis <laughs> to my existence. That was the uh, worst thing to be doing. Yeah. You know, so granted I was doing a fair amount of that stuff anyway, but like kind of assuming that that is how it has to be done yeah. from a teacher was kind of fucked up. Well, that that is kind of what people make college out to be. Yeah. Like, oh, it's this. Oh, yeah. You're just going to stay up all night. You're going to do all this work. It's going to happen really quickly. Like that's the way it has to be rather than fitting you like you have to fit into that mold of college rather than like you being able to create your own college experience if yeah. that makes sense yeah and I did know a friend of mine who actually like completed homework like weeks in advance which I thought was bizarre but now I'm kind of like I mean it is bizarre because I'm physically incapable of doing such yeah. a thing yeah <laughs> I have to do it like the day before um which is like totally opposite yeah. of what I would do because I just get so nervous. Oh about yeah, that. I mean, like, I get I nervous like to... too. <laughs> it's the day before. I'm like, ah. Yeah, but you but... just you are not like. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. I'm doing a lot of hand gestures because there's a person here, so I'm assuming people just understand that. But then I realize, oh, this is an audio yeah <laughs> platform. She, just doing brain gestures. I'm doing just brain. imagining, like, just like around the brain, like yes. you know, you know. Brains. If you've been listening to this podcast a while, you know I do a lot of gestures and then have to try and backpedal to explain what those gestures were. Yeah, <laughs> but brain gestures. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's funny because while you were talking, like several things kind of pinged like that made a lot of sense to me and I think the first I have I have a couple questions just because uh -huh. I just was getting excited but okay. um I think the first thing that I noticed or that really resonated with me was the fact that you didn't quote-unquote fit into like the test or these symptoms and yeah. not everything completely perfectly lined up 
And I mean, that totally happened with my diagnosis. Mm. I mean, I didn't fit into most of the criteria of my diagnosis. And so a lot of, <laughs> like a lot of people, even after I was diagnosed, didn't believe the diagnosis mm. because they're like, oh, well, it just doesn't make sense. And it it does feel like this thing of having to defend <laughs> yeah. what is happening in your body and how tiring that is. But also, I guess the relief of getting a diagnosis. So that was kind of the first thing yeah. that popped up in my head. And I think what I'm always trying to say on this podcast, and I've said before, is that it, not everyone is going to look the same yeah. in their diagnosis or what they're dealing with. And like I even mentioned it to you before the podcast, I basically told Ola, you're not the spokesperson for ADHD. Yeah. I just want to <laughs> hear your experience and what you've gone through because that's going to look different on everyone. And I like, that's the point. And yeah, sure. People use these things to help diagnose and that's like, it, yeah, it's yeah. helpful. And you have these markers to see it in people, but sometimes that's not as clear cut for everyone. And so I think I just wanted to reiterate that. So I'm glad you spoke to that. Yeah. And then there was, there was something else. See, <laughs> this is, this is the problem is I have them in my brain and then my brain, as you all know, does a great job of quickly pushing that away <laughs> and never bringing it back. Um, yeah. So I wanted to talk about the, the diagnosis. Mm. Okay. I did that. And then I wanted to talk about something else that I can't remember. Mm. Was it something with the memory? Maybe it was that. I feel like you were saying a couple couple of your symptoms that I like related to and I uh -huh. think it might have been the memory which is funny if I forgot that because I mean, that's you, very you were talking fitting before <laughs> about the like like taking my time with breakfast and that sort of thing before was oh, that something yeah. that you wanted to talk about nope okay I think <laughs> that wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> nope <laughs> well we'll just leave it if it comes back I will obviously say so but I did have a question because you mentioned um you starting to think about it or realizing it in college, mm -hmm. but was there like something, was there someone, was there a defining factor that kind of got ADHD on your radar? Did you just see an article about it and you're like, Hey, I resonate with that. Or what kind of got it on your radar to make you start questioning and thinking, Oh, this could be something I have. Okay. This is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, at that time, I was very much on Tumblr. And I, I, I've been less so on Tumblr now, but um, I was extremely on Tumblr at the time. And w uh, one, it, for any of y'all who have been on Tumblr, you might know that a lot of these things get passed around where it's like, oh, if you do this, then you definitely have this disorder. And then everyone mm. being like, oh my God, I never knew. Holy shit. You know? And I'm like... That's making a comeback on TikTok. Yeah, I've seen it? a lot of those things okay. on TikTok where it's like, do you feel this, this, and this? Well, this. And then everyone in the comments like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I thought I was the only one. Yeah. And, and it's like, uh, I've seen a lot of criticism of that sort of stuff because I'm sure there's yeah. a lot of people that come up with things that are just completely... But that said, a post like that helped me realize that I have ADHD because there was one that was like, hey... If you can't sit in chairs properly, you might have ADHD or be autistic because chairs are shaped the way that they're shaped because they're comfortable to most people. They're not shaped that way because 
like and you have to f- contort and figure out how to sit in them comfortably. Yeah. They're actually shaped like that for a reason. And everyone in the comments is like, oh my fucking God. And I'm like, shit, I've never been able to sit in a chair properly. <laughs> I'm like always folding my legs up yeah. and like, yeah, doing all these weird things when I sit in a chair and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> and I think that might've been what first put it in my mind that I might have ADHD. Hmm. And then I started looking into like a little bit of what it was about. And I guess I might've correlated it a little bit with the fact that I couldn't focus on schoolwork the way that people were telling me that I should be. Okay. You know, cause there was, um, the way that they tell teach you to write essays is like, Or, like, write anything, really, because I was actually creative writing English major. Yeah. um, With, like, a creative writing focus that um, the way you write is you do, of course, an outline first, then, like, a rough draft, just vomiting on the page, and then come back to it and edit it some more. I'm physically incapable of doing that. And I had actually tried, I think at some point in my senior year, I was like, because oh, I'm writing my thesis, yeah. my creative writing thesis, but still a thesis. Um, and I'm like, okay, let me actually try to do it the way that these folks are telling me is better. Yeah. Couldn't do it. The way I write is yeah. How I wanted I was, the whole time yeah. I was thinking I was like, how do you how do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> so I would have the outline, yeah, because that's highly necessary for the framework. But then, um, as I write, I pretty much perfect each sentence as I go, and often oh. I will sit there and think in my head, trying to arrange the sentence exactly the way I want to frame it, and then I will write it down. And so it's like it. It's not necessarily faster or slower. It's just that the the perfection process happens sooner. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you don't have like the gr- the general shape of it right away, but like and th- that might also just be a perfectionist thing, which I'm like isn't necessarily an ADHD thing, but I hear a lot of folks, especially that have the inattentive Mm. um form of adhd which i have instead of the hyperactive um hyperactive is like the uh the stereotype little boy in third grade who can't sit down yeah and like inattentive is the little girl looking out the window you know because very often it actually falls upon that line and i think that has actually more to do with like the societal pressures upon women versus upon men yeah actually but um and it's also why women, like, are not diagnosed with yeah, ADHD ex- until very late in their lives. Yes. Like, is often because, part of it is because people all expect ADHD to be, like, someone bouncing up out of their seat and not being able to sit still. But um, also, it's just, like, those sorts of outbursts are severely suppressed in girls and children. It's, yeah. like, kind of not acceptable to do any of those sorts of things in a way. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> when you were talking about your writing process, I was just kind of laughing internally because my writing process is like, okay, do the outline. It's the first part of what you're supposed to do. But then I don't go back for the perfecting editing part. Mm-hmm. Like I do a rough draft and the rough draft is my final draft. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know if that... I think that's just laziness on my part. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of what I 
do i just like really like puzzle out every sentence as i go it's kind of makes me i haven't written anything in a while it kind of makes me miss writing because it's, yeah. it's, it feels like a puzzle yeah when you when you do it that way it's i kind of miss it it's <laughs> it's kind of a word vomit for me that's mm. how i would describe it yeah it's i mean it's the same way i do these podcasts to be quite honest <laughs> it's just kind of what's on my brain not to say that i don't put work into it and don't like put effort into things oh, but it's just yeah. kind of that is the way i feel like I can be my most honest self but then my teachers are like Maddie you don't need to be your honest self in a like <laughs> like research paper oh okay fair. <laughs> like can you just give us the facts in a like good way and I'm like no, no I need to I need it to be my voice the answer to, is no <laughs> just say what I need to say <laughs> um Sorry, I momentarily forgot how to read and then I heard our neighbors and I was like, oh, what are they doing? And then I <laughs> forgot that I'm literally in the middle of something. Madison, focus. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. Do you think, you, how did your life change? Do you think your perspective on yourself changed when you got a concrete diagnosis? Did it help? Were you able to kind of understand yourself better or at least give yourself some more slack? Oh yeah. 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 It it was like at that point in my life when I was like at work, I I thought that I had kind of figured myself out with like all my labels yeah. <laughs> at that point. And then um figuring out out of a I had ADHD was well no. L- let me let me go back. I didn't think that I had myself all figured out. I like had these like different labels for myself. It's like, okay, this is who I am. But then like having this, it felt like having like an extra dark force in the room that I couldn't quite, that was mysterious and that I couldn't really wrestle into a shape that I could recognize. Yeah. Until I got diagnosed with ADHD, I was like crying with relief. Yeah. Because I'm like, that's the last part. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like everything that I couldn't describe, that I couldn't figure out why am I like this, all ended up falling into this box of ADHD. Yeah. It was really weird. Like everything that I couldn't understand about myself just could be explained by ADHD. And it was like, holy shit, that's the last piece. Yeah, that it felt like it came yeah. together. It, like, like all of it. Like, I cannot overemphasize how much, like, every single weird thing, like, just ended up being collected in that one box. Um, And uh, it didn't necessarily... Part of it was that it helped me understand why I was doing the things I was doing, but it didn't necessarily um, help me solve the problems that it was causing yeah that i needed a therapist for highly recommend everyone gets a therapist (laughs) (laughs) um because i was doing really um weird things at my office job and like underperforming in ways that i was really ashamed to like show anybody and didn't really know how to handle the tasks that were given to me and how to like reject the tasks that I could that I now knew that I couldn't handle Mm -hmm. and like there was like a lot of stress and weirdness about that entire situation and it's like not necessarily anybody's fault at that job that I was at it was just like 
the the expectations was that I was like a neurotypical person, you know? Yeah. And like I never came out to them as having you know, I think after I, I was laid off, I did tell them that I had ADHD and that like if if any of y'all got a weird vibe, that's why. <laughs> um um but like really struggling with various kinds of work and then also me being like um one of the newest recruits in a way. Yeah. And then being like, oh, so I'm expected to take the grunt work. You know, when people ask me like, hey, uh, can you do this? It's because I'm at the bottom of the ladder here and yeah. I'm expected to do these things. And the problem is, is like, it, it felt like I never did do this, but like me imagining saying, no, I can't do that kind of felt like I was asking for a privilege that I hadn't earned at that job yet. Mm. You know, that it's like, well, I'm the youngest. I'm like just an assistant editor. I shouldn't be rejecting these grunt level jobs because the senior editors shouldn't be doing them. I am in the position that should be doing it. Yeah. Um. So there was a lot of guilt associated with that where it's like. I want to reject this, but I kind of feel like I can't. Um, so I, I was there for four years struggling with all of that, like having like panic attacks, breakdowns in the middle of, um, in the middle of work during the day and then kind of being so wrecked that I couldn't get any work done. All yeah. Day. <laughs> yeah. And then like the cycle just keeps repeating itself. Yeah. Um, and them not, knowing and the fear of them knowing yes that that was huge that's come up a lot in my life and career as well this fear of well me and i know and i know there's you can't there's workplace discrimination laws all of those things yeah but there there it still exists that fear that worry what if they don't, in my case, cast me? What if they don't want to work with me because they think I'm going to have a brain episode on stage, which has happened. Like, mm. which is, I've had things happen, but just because, I don't know, just because that happens doesn't mean I'm less, that shouldn't be the reason I don't get a job. I should yeah. not get a job because I'm not right for the role or not like yeah, good yeah. enough for the role or whatever. And the same, I think, yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. I think you all understand what I'm saying, but it, it is there is that fear, that nervousness, and that adds on to the panic. That adds on to the stress of the job. Yeah. So I, I'm sure that was pretty difficult. Would you, would you have told them eventually? Do you think? I don't know. Yeah. You know, because like, um, I had actually uh, about halfway through my time at that job um I had taken on a new therapist because I had a break from my old one for various reasons um she was very sick and old that's the reason (laughs) (laughs) it had really nothing to do with I didn't like her she was just like in the hospital for months at a time and I'm like I need a therapist I'm sorry I love you so much but um So I'd, uh, so I got a new therapist specifically to help me tackle this like mountain of work that 
like had been given to me that I could not complete. Yeah. It was like extremely difficult for me to complete to even, cause there was like a whole lot of shame associated with the fact that I couldn't complete it, that I had a hard time completing it, that like, you know, a, a, any normal person working at that job could answer like dozens of emails a day. And I struggled to send one. Yeah. You know, and stuff like that. And yeah. So I pretty much like I had enlisted a therapist to help me one complete that figure out a way to complete that work so I could quit. Ooh, that's what I was trying to do because I, I yeah. couldn't like the guilt of that work was too great that I didn't want to just leave and like have them find like, you know, open the door to my office and find a pile of shit in the middle yeah. that had been stinking up the room for four years. You know, that's kind of what it felt like. Yeah. Um, and then the pandemic hit and I got laid off and I was like, oh, okay. And then it became the process of figuring out well, then I had an opportunity to figure my shit out, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I didn't have the framework of, like, this um, corporate and honestly capitalist framework of, like, these are the expectations of what you're supposed to be able to do at work and yeah. how you're supposed to be able to function. It was a very capitalist concept um, that I could not fulfill. So it's like, oh, okay, what does that mean, you know? And then once I was outside of... Um, that framework, I finally had a, the opportunity to figure out how to motivate myself to do work. Cause I still had stuff to do. Like yeah. I had to file for unemployment. I had to, um, um, I, I do this volunteer thing where I teach like, um, Catholic Sunday school, except it's on Mondays, <laughs> but it's essentially <laughs> Sunday school, but for Catholics. Um, that I, that I, on Mondays, <laughs> <laughs> that, that I volunteer for, um, at the parish I was baptized in, um, that, um, so like I need to prep classes for that, you know, that I do every week. And of course there's always, uh, emails, of course, looking for new work, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's always stuff to do. So I had figured out like with my therapist, had figured out a way to manage my, like, the difficulty of me being able to start things and do things. Yeah. And, like, I guess executive function is what you would call it, is, like, a, a lot of folk, like, that's, like, one big thing with ADHD is they have trouble with executive function. Yeah. Um. And I hesitate to use that as like a catch-all term for like all of our problems are executive function, but like it's a big one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So eventually like months over months, literally the entire year from April when I got laid off at the very end of March from April through, I don't know, how long did it take for me to like actually maybe... September I had like a pretty good way of actually getting myself to do stuff but the th it's still slow well yeah absolutely. by comparison to like everybody else but it's like I can actually do shit now because I was at the point early on in the pandemic where I would just 
like play video games or watch YouTube videos literally all day until my boyfriend came home from work. And then I would just hang out with him. Yeah. Like doing nothing else because I couldn't bring myself to do anything. Mm -hmm. And then like my very gentle, very kind therapist slowly work helping me to do things. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's not going to be an overnight change nor should it be (laughs) yeah it's not like it's gonna you're gonna wake up one day and think oh great everything's solved Mm -hmm. i can do everything i've wanted to do right now (laughs) yeah yeah so it's like it's still slow in comparison to most folks but then it's also like well why does it need to be that fast you know like do i need to i don't know there's there's still some like guilt and shame associated with that with like I'm still unpacking, for example. Yeah. We've been moved in since, uh, what day is it? The 13th? You know, we've been moved in for like two and a half weeks. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm still in some boxes. Well, um, that's, I'm learning that it doesn't have to be that fast. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something I'm learning through you and by watching you and also watching you interact with your boyfriend and mm-hmm. seeing that interaction because in my mind, I'm like, well, why, why not unpack everything really quickly? Why not get everything done in a day? I don't understand that. But it, it's, it's because I can't. It's because mm-hmm. I can't understand. Like, I can try to understand. I can yeah. try. But I will never fully, like, grasp that concept because it's not me and it's not the way I think. But I can, yeah. like, appreciate it and respect it. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm learning the respect part of it. Because at first, like, yeah, I I would have thoughts of, and I've had it my whole life, like when people Mm. wouldn't work quickly enough if if we were in a group project or if people wouldn't be memorized immediately for shows and things like that, it would really frustrate me Mm. because I I just wanted everyone, because I felt like I was working really hard and I'm like, why isn't everyone else working really hard? But I just Uh. realized... It's not that. It's not that people aren't working hard. They're just working in a different way. And okay, there are some people who don't work hard. Yeah. But yeah. like, yeah, come on, let's be real. But um, but for the most part, it's it's not the case. And I think watching you and seeing the way you do things, I'm like, okay, I can I can go slow and I don't need to put on pressure. And honestly, sometimes I still do, and I'm still trying to work on that and try not to <laughs> to oh, constantly yeah. put on pressure. Um and also, like, I have a tendency to tease. That is something we've talked a, a lot about with our roommates, uh-huh. is the idea of teasing. And I grew up in a house where they would say, if they don't tease you, they don't love you. And so I grew up with this mindset of, <laughs> oh, yeah, I can just make a couple jabs here and there. And that's fine because it's just teasing. But then realizing that those jabs can really hit sometimes and really hit in places that you do feel a lot of guilt in or people feel a lot of guilt in. So I think it's also kind of self-correcting in that way and Mm -hmm. realizing that people work in different ways. And the more I observe it, I mean, it's been two weeks and I feel like I'm already starting to get a better grasp on the way you work just by Mm -hmm. observing you and not saying like, oh, I fully understand you now and I am a total (laughs) expert and I can completely (laughs) fix the way I approach things and approach you because of it. But no, but I think it it is helpful to see a difference that way because I know what I know what I can't do and I know mm-hmm. that I struggle with my with my neurological condition and I know that I have things that change but then I realize sometimes I'm a little I'm very flexible with myself but sometimes I'm very I want to say structured I don't think that's the word 
um, hard, hard, hard yeah, on hard on others just because I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to say. But it is yeah. it is interesting being able to watch and see and see how others work and realize that it's not the same way that I work. Yeah. I think what I oh I think what I do is I want to get it all done while I can before something happens. Okay. It's this yeah. idea of like, I'm, I need to get it, but then maybe that perpetuates the thing happening. Cause like I, I had a habit huh. of, I would work really, really hard and then something would happen. Like I would get really sick. Like the first, uh. the first semester of my master's program, I worked really, really hard and then I got viral meningitis. And then the start Yikes. of the second one, I worked really, really hard. And then I, um, had a, Oh, what is that called? Uh, when you're back. A herniated disc. Oh. That's what that is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say I it popped out of place, which it I guess did. But so I I think I equate that if I don't get things done quickly before the bad thing happens, then I won't be able to do thing things once the bad things happen. Huh. But then maybe the idea is that I'm working too hard. <laughs> and it's causing <laughs> and the bad things. It's causing the bad things to happen. <laughs> So I don't know. That's don't something know. for you to work on. I know. But that's, a, that's a me thing. That was just a little me realization <laughs> happening yeah, there. Yeah. But yeah. So I, I'm glad to be in this house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> learning. And yeah. And like, um, for, for me, the, like part of the reason why I do things so slowly is that very often I'll like, I'll like hit a, um, hit a wall yeah. while I'm doing something. Like, for example, I had, um, in my old apartment, I had like three huge bookshelves that were full of random crap. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, thing, just, uh, tchotchkes. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. And, um, and now I have boxes full of them and I only have one bookshelf in my bedroom right now and I don't want to fill the entire apartment with my junk. So I'm like looking through and it's like, I would, open up the box. I would pick out a few things and be like, oh, okay, these I can put in certain places. This I want to keep. And then I would come up with things that I don't know what to do with. So I just put it back in the box and deal with it another time. Yeah. So it's like, I'd keep coming up with these, with these, these walls or like I had a box full of my extra clothes and it's like, okay, I wanted to put all my pants in this specific wall hanger, the door hanger situation. Yeah. But I didn't have the door hanger yet. So I would end up just taking, picking up that box and then putting everything back into the box because I didn't have what I needed to complete the project. Um, so, and just like that cycle over and over again for weeks until I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to Target. Yeah. <laughs> I'm buying that thing myself. I'm not going to wait for like my mom to find something similar that like is made of all fabric or something. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's part of the slow process, honestly, is this like stop and start type of thing. Um, yeah. My next question was, what's the biggest challenge you believe you have faced living with this? And I feel like we've touched yeah. on it a bit, but do you want to kind of have like a succinct answer or do you feel like yeah, you've yeah, answered I, it? I mean, I think I have, but I could like thesis size. Yes. It. Give me a yeah, oh, thesis size. It. <laughs> give me your uh, conclusion statement, your, <laughs> yes, your so closing statement. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was definitely the office job, you yeah. know, with like, Coming, I mean, I came in without knowing 
how bad I was going to react to all of the work. I had no clue because um, I had an idea. Because well, here's the thing. With school, you have hard deadlines. At that job, I did not have hard deadlines. Oh. If, if like, there was, like, there were soft deadlines, but, like, if you couldn't make it to a certain time, it was okay. But then there was also, like, I would do maybe a book or two a year. And these were children's books. Um, and then I realized that there was some kind of unspoken expectation that I do, like, a book a month. Oh. Or, like, a book every... depend. I mean, if it's a children's book, then, like, a book a month. Or, like, um, if it was a longer book, like, the sort of stuff that most of the other folks were doing, um, like, maybe a book every four... Two to four months. You know? Yeah. And, like, I think that was part of the problem is just, like, these unspoken expectations. There were a lot of things in there that, like... For example, I came in, I, I had my own room, which was pretty cool. Um, and they had an office phone. And then at some point, so I, I like, I'm like asking questions about how to work the office phone. And they're like, oh, right. You've never worked one of these before. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at some point they did also admit that it's like, yeah, we kind of threw you in in the middle of it and didn't really like, you just just kind of got you to hit the ground running and, yeah. like, and they did admit that at some point Good. but like um and there were parts of it that I coped pretty well with but like I think the issue with um like the low level grunt work in an office environment is often like the like filling forms paperwork um if you're in publishing which i was in publishing it, it's like reading all of the crappy manuscripts that people send you that's like this is my life's work and i care so much about it and it's like this is very poorly written we do not want this or yeah. it's like it's just about a subject that we would never publish or anyone would ever publish you yeah. know <laughs> and, and like one, having to read those things and having to email this person back and, like, odds are they're going to try to harangue you and, like, please publish yeah. my book. And it's like, per lady, I cannot, <laughs> we cannot <laughs> publish this. It's like, well, could you please tell me at least what's, it's like, no, because no, if, yeah. you, if you do, then they will adopt you, <laughs> you know, and, like, yeah. not, so, it, like, there's a lot of stuff like that that's, like, that sort of grunt work is not great for people with ADHD in my experience. Yeah. Like, or people with like autism probably, um, since I kind of feel like we're cousins. Um, so that's rough, you know? And it's actually, yeah. <laughs> and especially since I thought like, for, since like third grade that I was going to be a writer and an illustrator. Mm. And then I'm like, oh, well let me go into editing as like a means of, um, like steady income and also getting behind the scenes and seeing what it's yeah. like, you know, I got an insider view for people publishing my books. It's like when they say they can't do something, it's like, Oh yeah, well I'm pretty sure you can do that thing because I'm an editor. So yeah. I know. You're like, well, wait a second. <laughs> you know. I've been there and I've done that. Yeah. You know, so that sort of thing. But, um, now I kind of have like <laughs> a midlife crisis <laughs> where it's like, I don't think I like my neurology is 
best suited for that kind of work. Like I could do it. I could certainly write a novel, but like it would take a lot of help from other people. Mm. I'll be honest. And like that, like other people like holding me to a schedule in a way, Mm. like, Mm -hmm. cause like as helpful as my planner is, um, it's, it's just me and a piece of paper. It's words on paper. Yeah. Yeah, You know? (laughs) And, um, Although that that's kind of a stereotype for like a bad stereotype of like, well, it, for people with ADHD, just people telling them, well, why don't you just get a planner and everything will be fine? It's like, I laugh every time I see that because I like, I totally understand how infuriating and frustrating and you want to cry and scream every time somebody tells you is like, well, you know, just take vitamin D pills and you'll be fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, (laughs) which I've gotten, um, (laughs) me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but like as much as that is a stereotype, like the planner has actually helped a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It's helped massively, Uh, but also so has playing video games where actually like I do a Pomodoro style thing where I'll, I'll play a little bit of video games and then I'll do a little bit of work and play a little, and like, that's a slow process, but I get shit done. My guy. Yeah. I was not doing shit at all and just playing video games, which and now, was fun, but now I'm actually doing stuff. Yeah. So progress, progress. Okay. I think I'll, I think I have one more question that I will leave you with. Um, what's in it? Uh, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Try that again. <laughs> Um, what's an unexpected thing that has come out of your experience that neurotypical people don't usually think about? I mean, I guess it's kind of gotten me to question a lot of things that people just take for granted. Hmm. Where that entire office full of people who are all veterans in the in publishing you know they've been doing it for almost all their lives um like and just taking all of the stuff that they did for granted and could do for granted um and then me being thrown into that environment and then being like why can't i do this yeah it's kind of like caused me to question a lot of major things that people are like well, this is just the way that it works and this is just the way that it is. And then it's like, I literally cannot fathom (laughs) what you're talking about. You know, it's like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the amount of work that I was expected to do there. um, Like maybe I like with like years of therapy, I would have been able to get up to something resembling that point. But I don't think, but I don't think they would have tolerated me for that long, you know? So, like, there's that. And I think, like, uh, um, I follow a lot of artists and uh, game designers on Twitter. So I see a very similar discourse happening over there with crunch culture. And um, how, this, like, you're expected to practically land yourself in the hospital with how much you're being overworked. You know, (laughs) and it's just completely normal in the video game industry. And it's really fucked up. And a lot of people are starting to try to stand up against it. And like, I remember reading a huge 
expose, it was such a long article about one of my favorite video games ever. And reading that the folks who made this game really wished that it would fail so that they could dissolve as a company. Hmm. Like, that's how bad it was. And I'm like, that sounds familiar. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and like, not that I was being expected to do 80 hours a week or anything like that. Like, that was absolutely not the case. But, um, like, it seemed, it's familiar yeah. In, in a sort of way that it's like that they're and I think this is especially in the workplace, but so but like in a corporate office style workplace of like what you're expected to do. And it's like there are people that can't do that in, in ways that you would never even imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I mean I sure resonate with that. And mm-hmm. I feel like what you're saying a lot about those artists, I feel like a lot in the creative industry and the creative space is that if you're not putting in work and doing the work, you're not doing enough and you're not worthy Mm. or you're not valuable. And a lot of the idea, I think sometimes people think, well, you're doing what you love. Like you're doing what you love. So it's not work. And I'm like, it's still work. It's still a lot of work. And I think and even in downtime, people are like, oh, well, you're not, you're not auditioning. You're not in a show. So why aren't you creating your own stuff? Why aren't you creating your own work? And why aren't you taking on new hobbies that like will create an income and things like that? Why aren't you doing this and that and this? And it's like, if you want to take a break, then you're not, then you're not going to make it or you're not going to do well, yeah. or you're not going to be successful in this career because you don't have what it takes And I think, and I don't know if that's just what's been projected onto me through my career, but I have a feeling that that's not the case. And I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When I was like thinking about, um, like being an illustrator and and, like a writer, uh, mostly illustrator, you get this more from that end. Um, like, and just seeing folks online and how they're doing it and how they're handling it. I kind of realized, uh, at some point in college, it's like, yeah, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I have the drive to do that. Um, and I just sort of gave up on that Yeah, as, as like a viable like career option. And I was like, well, like I could still write probably, you know? Yeah. Um, and writing is hard. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like I'm, I could, I could I'm do sure. it. I'm I've, not, but not good. <laughs> actually here's something funny is that when I was writing, um, that thesis, school it was to to I was writing a fantasy novel uh and looking back at it now there's a lot of really structural uh changes in it that I need to make that doesn't make me want to go back to it you know (laughs) but then uh to speak back to that video game that I absolutely hyper fixated on for years uh, and I'm still feeling the it, the game is Dragon Age Inquisition, by the way. Okay, I was wondering what it was. <laughs> For anyone who's wondering, it's Dragon Age Inquisition. Obsessed with that game. And, um, or I was. And I have never written more in my life than fan fiction for that game. Uh, I don't think... And no, I have two chapters from one thing that I wrote up on Archive of Our Own. But the rest will never see the light of day. But every <laughs> once in a while, I because I most of the time I never finished it, but I would write most of it. And but every once in a while, I go back into my Google Docs and read a few of it. I'm like, yeah. man, these are great. I yeah, love like, this. Write, that, yeah, you know. And then it's like, and seeing how much I wrote for that is like, listen, hyperfixation is a superpower. Like if you can, 
it's hard to harness, but sometimes you can kind of nudge it in a direction. And um, if like, I don't know, you, you, I think that you can get it to, some folks can get it to work for them in yeah. certain ways. And then like explode <laughs> in the best way. Um, but yeah, not for like filing paperwork or doing taxes, like never. <laughs> I don't think you could ever hyperfixate on that shit. <laughs> no. No, can't do it. All right. Well, is there anything else you would like to say? Any other little nods to people um, or things oh wait or... nods to people hang on yeah. <laughs> if you want um i know that's always a nice thing sometimes there's a couple of folks on just on social media that i would highly recommend to check out one is adhd alien who i think is mostly on twitter but i think she might have her own website um she does a lot of really sweet comics about like what it's like to have ADHD in like a very clear way that I think is also very easy to show to other people who are trying to understand what it's like to be a person with ADHD. Um, she It's called ADHD alien because she feels like she's an alien and like mm. almost not human with how different she is from other people's expectations. So that's... It makes it sound kind of sad, but it, that she makes it cute. Um, <laughs> she's got these little yellow, like, horns that make her look like a little alien. Um, and then every once in a while she meets other aliens, and then it's nice, you know? Hmm. Um, the other one is on Instagram and also on uh, Patreon and probably has a blog, I think, is... Oh, shit. What's her name? Hang on. Neurodivergent, it oh it disappeared. Hang on, <laughs> cut this. <laughs> neuro neuroemergent insurgent. Ooh. So instead of neurodivergent, which means a divergence from the regular, yeah, she considers herself a neuroemergent, as in something new, something Ooh. awesome is coming out of it, and uh, insurgent because she is questioning some of the major things that doctors who talk about ADHD hold dear like core things like executive function RSD um whether it is actually a disorder or not you know or if it's just like a different kind of brain type or something and it's yeah. not like something that's wrong cuz i don't see my adhd as something that's wrong of course <laughs> it's like it it's it's a very different way of being that the dominant culture just does not have into account at all and sees it as something wrong because it is it doesn't fit into their crunch culture get things done framework so it's like the way i do things has been rejected by society yeah. in a way so that kind of forces me to like figure things out on the edges of society and figure things out that are like different from what is expected of me and kind of has me question like well why do you have the authority to say what's normal yeah you know yeah and that like causes me to question anything and everything really so yeah. it's a gift in that way too. Yeah. Um, so 
all good things. It still sucks to live with it sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> people, but it's not that like my ADHD makes my life difficult. It's other people's expectations on me is what makes life difficult. Oh, yes. <laughs> I know like, her well. <laughs> you know, so just love us. Yeah. Learn more about ADHD or um, understand like what it's like because it's different for everyone. Like it turns out that almost all of my friends from high school have ADHD and it's very different yeah. for each one of them. Like literally my core friend group that plays D&T together, John is the only one who doesn't <laughs> really? have ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. And like everyone, it, it, it comes out in very different ways. Yeah. It's very interesting to see. Yeah. Well, thanks, Ola. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, I was so glad. This was fun. I thought it was really nice. You yeah. had lots of good things. I just had to sit here and go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes you were talking about it, I go, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for coming on the show, Having being our first interview of this little series. Obviously not the first interview on the podcast, but if you want to go back and listen to some of those other interviews, I've interviewed my mom, other friends, um, sorry, our neighbors started walking up the stairs again. <laughs> I got distracted yet again. Um, but yeah, so some of our other interviews are of my, me and my mom, me and some other friends that I've had. I have a lineup of people coming on for this. We're starting off with my close friends just so I can get comfortable with it before I start reaching out to people outside of my circle. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed the show, if you have anything to say or are interested in reaching out or following me on any social media, I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Brain Fart Podcast. You can also go to Brain Fart... Brain... Yeah. I thought I just had a spoonerism. I didn't. Um, a brainfartpodcast.com is where you can find basically all of these things. Um, you can find all of the episodes there. Or you can find my contact information, which is just brainfartpodcast at gmail.com. So if you have anything to say or you're interested in reaching out, I respond to all emails, DMs, all of those things. And yeah, so just to keep you in the loop there. And that's it. I think I've said and yeah enough for this (laughs) podcast. So we'll close it there. Ola, do you want to give us our final fart of, of the day? I gotta do a fart? Yes. I gotta do? Okay. It's just a fart sound. (laughs) No, hang on. (laughs) No, hang on. (laughs) (laughs) How's that? That felt good. Okay.